The transgender movement is more sinister and deeper in the seats of power than you realize. Join Bot Radio Network to view the groundbreaking documentary Dysphoria, Friday evening, December 1st in Sealer Auditorium at Concordia Seminary. This eye-opening film shares the stories of three families who found themselves caught up in the web of the LGBTQ agenda. Doors open at 6 p.m. The movie starts at 6.30. Get your tickets at dysphoriamovie.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the intersection of faith, family, and filmmaking. You're listening to Fearless with Mark and Amber, a behind-the-scenes of our filmmaking ministry, Fearless Features, where we are creating documentary films about the issues impacting our culture and society from a biblical perspective and pursuing truth above all else. I'm Amber Archer, and joining me is my husband, author, director, speaker, Mark Archer. Happy premise number three. Even though I feel like I might ignite, I probably won't. You can learn more about us and the movies we're making by visiting fearlessfeatures.org. Yay! Happy premise. Lots of happy premises here. Mm-hmm. So, here we are. Here we are. Just got done with the show from Napanee. Yes, hold on. Hold on. I have a button for that. Oh. There we go. Yay! It was fun. It was well attended, especially for a, a little town like Napanee. Yeah, Napanee, love Napanee, home of the Apple Festival. Mm-hmm. And also had a, yeah, it was a good turnout. A great turnout. There were two other churches there who uh, requested that we come to their church. Yeah. So I'm excited. Yeah. So, um, and we did have some, quite a few um, audience reactions from that. However, I did not have time to edit those down. (laughs) We'll have those for you next time. By the way, your radio spots sound fantastical. Oh, because Bot Radio <laughs> will be joining us. Yes. December 1st at Sealer Auditorium at Concordia Theological Seminary for a screening of Dysphoria. I don't like you because you're dangerous. Right. <laughs> Doors open at 6 p.m. Movie starts at 6.30. Yes. So this is a large auditorium. I, I think 600 seats. I think it seats 600. Yeah, yeah. that's a good size auditorium. Concordia Seminary is a really interesting place. has interesting history to it. Mm -hmm. It's a really interesting campus. But we're not going to get into that today. Well, no, not today. Not not in its entirety. But I'm saying Sealer Hall is an interesting theater. Mm -hmm. Very large theater. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, very pretty. Yes. And author Christy Stutzman will be there with her new book, The Spiritual Price of Political Silence. Yes. Uh, Bot Radio is going to be there. We're going to have state and local groups present to help get people uh, plugged in and activated in the new year. It's so it's going to be a whoop whoop party. It is. So, so I'm excited. Be there or be square. Uh huh. So um, without any further ado, we're going to continue on with our prophecy series. Mm-hmm. Are these, are we living in the last days? And there is a new chart that you're going to want to download. So that is in the show notes. This is the Biblical Mysteries Explained. So there'll be a link right there for you. Yes. So um, as a brief overview, we're going to talk a little bit more about Matthew 24, and then we're going to kind of back out of this because if you haven't figured out by now, Matthew 24 is really talking about uh, addressing Israel Mm -hmm. and it's after the uh, the rapture of the church. So the reason we started with that is because that's where a lot of people go first and because in most everybody's Bibles, 
It's titled Signs of the End of the Age. And so a lot of people attribute events in Matthew 24 to um, pre-rapture end times uh, events. And that's not right at all. So we wanted to start with that and kind of explain that this is what Matthew 24 is about. Then we're going to um, take a more broad overview of prophecy. Mm Mm-hmm end times prophecy, where everything has come from, where it is now, and where it is going. So we'll get into part four of Are These the Last Days? Okay, so this week we we were continuing, we're still in Matthew 24, but it, we're now at verse 29, where we're continuing to go even further down the rabbit hole of the Great Tribulation, and it's probably best at this point if we back off a little and talk about, because a lot of people hear this and say, okay, if I'm not there, if I'm if I'm a believer and you're telling me the church isn't there, I want to know about what leads up to the church. And so we thought, okay, now let's back back out of this and talk about the bigger picture. I guess, of where is the church, um, where are we in the grand scheme of things. And so we have new charts, right? Oh, we do. <laughs> we, have, we will be adding a new PDF because you're going to want to follow along and um, stay with us. And you're going to have all the references to the different verses that we'll be going through. But yes, those will be available in the show notes. Okay. So, so where are we going then today? Uh, well, first of all, uh, hello to everyone who's looking into the scriptures about the end times. Uh, if you remember the last time we looked at the abomination of desolation and in Matthew 24, starting at verse 15, it says, so when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, the prophet, uh, and, and, of course, the abomination of desolation is a, a solid term. It talks about what happens at the midpoint, uh, the three-and-a-half-year point of the tribulation period. And we'll talk about more uh, specific details about what that abomination of desolation is. <clears throat> but then you also see that in verse 21, it talks about a shift from the tribulation to the great tribulation. Verse 21, for then there will be great tribulation. So Matthew 24 has been talking about the tribulation, and that's the first three and a half years And the Great Tribulation is the last three and a half years. And and then down in verse 29, which is where we left off last week, it says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars uh, will fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Uh, Then there will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And by the way, there's a lot of debate about what the sign of the Son of Man is. People have um, a lot of different theories, but I can tell you this. um, 
whatever that sign is, and it might be the cross, it might be uh, Christ uh, in all his glory, um, wh whatever that sign is, it is going to be understood by the people on this earth. In verse 39, then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And everybody would look at that verse and say, wait, why, why would that be? If, if they see the sign of Christ coming, why would all the tribes of the earth mourn? And it goes on and says, and they will see the Son of Man, which is uh, the favorite name that Jesus used for himself, the Son of Man. Uh, you find that all through the, the uh, four Gospels. And they will see the Son of Man, that is Christ, coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. And the reason why the tribes of the earth are mourn are going to mourn is because they have not believed that he was there, and now he is coming in glory, and all, all the tribes of the earth, and how that happens is another miracle. Um all over the earth, they're all going to see him at the same time. And when they see him, they, they're going to realize that he is coming in wrath and judgment. And so they mourn because they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And at this point, anyone who's left on the earth, they are not going to get a second chance of accepting Christ. Is that correct? Well, uh, yes and no, because if you look at the rest of this verse, it says in verse 31, he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one, when one end of heaven to the other. So we've, if you look through the, the book of the Revelation, you find the 144,000 Jews that are that are saved and then they go out and they're preaching across the whole world and so there are going to be people who get saved so although the predominance of people at this point are unsaved and this is mostly talking about Israel um it, they are still uh, there are still those who are elect, in other words, those who are saved. So the Lord is going to remove, at this point, all who are not saved. But he is going to call, a trumpet call, and he's going to gather his elect from all over the world, and they're all going to come. And these are the elect of Israel and the elect Gentiles at the same time. And we can find in, in Matthew 25, there's other verses, other chapters that talk about uh, what ha happens when all these people are gathered together for the final judgment. 
So there are some that are saved here. But it, but it is sort of like a picture of what's happening now before the rapture. There there are people who are saved, yes. but there's also, you know, the unbelievers. And but when here what we're talking about when when you know, the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory and you know, they're mourning, it, it just makes me wonder if those people who are alive at that time, will they be able to at that moment <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, at that moment, they're going to repent and, yeah. and trust in Christ. Um, there are verses in First Thessalonians that basically say no, uh, that God is going to send a strong delusion, and they are going to believe the, the lie. Uh, and the lie, of course, is Satan and all the stuff that he has been uh, deceiving people. And uh, they, they are going to um, not repent. They are going to believe the lie. So you can't, that's, that's one of the things that unbelievers will often hold out. They'll often say, well, okay, I, I see what you're saying about all this end time stuff. But if I see this happen, mm -hmm. I'll repent and get saved then. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to repent now. I'll I'll just repent then. And the answer is you will not. Well, and it, because when you think about it, so even the people when the rapture does happen and the believers are taken away and those who still are unbelievers, they're living, you know, depending upon how long this lasts. I mean, we know it's you know, seven years, but, but when that starts, if they, don't know, if you know, they last, you know, yeah, you know what I mean? Because like, it's going to get so nasty and so yes. wicked during that time. And so will they, I, I don't know, it's between them and the Lord. So don't wait, folks, is what I'm saying. That's don't beat around absolutely, the bush. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And I, I think that the scriptures would suggest that if you have rejected Christ now, and you have willingly, you have understood the gospel, and you have willingly said, I do not believe in Christ, then he is going to seal that. And after the rapture happens, and the church is removed from this earth, um, you will not believe. Uh, you know, the, the theory that, well, when I see this stuff happen, then, then I'll repent and I'll trust in Christ. And the scripture says, no, you won't. Now, there will be people on this earth who have not had a clear presentation of the gospel. Uh, perhaps they're younger. Uh, they're, you know, because this is going to be seven years. So there may be children, three, four years old that uh, are not able to make that decision that as time goes by during this tribulation period, they can get saved. So that's mm -hmm. where they're going to come from. Mm -hmm. How fascinating. But, but if you, but if you go, Age of accountability. If you go into it mm -hmm. uh, and, and have knowingly rejected Christ, he is going to seal it and that's it. Mm -hmm. And I should point out too, there are a lot of religious people who are going to be in this camp. Absolutely. I think of a lot of a lot of quote unquote Christian religions 
that sound good and they they're full of a lot of quote good people but fundamentally if you reject the deity of Christ and there are a lot of big religious movements that re, that fundamentally reject the deity of Christ you're you're going to be here you're you're going to be left behind right there's all kinds of ways uh to miss to miss true salvation satan is an expert at deceiving people and leading people astray and it says in scripture particularly during this time that he is going to uh, deceive people with uh, incredible miracles. They're they're going to see things, and they're going to say, "Well, that has to be Christ." But in this age, right now, today, which I think is what you're talking about, you are absolutely right. Uh, there are people that that believe that Christ is real, and that's not salvation. Uh, you have to believe that Christ is real, but it takes more than that. Uh, there are people that that believe that if they attend a, a specific church, a specific denomination, then then they're okay. And the answer is no. There are people that believe that uh, their uncle, their aunt, their their grandfather, or their parents were missionaries, and they were on the field, and they were getting people saved, and 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 because of that, I'm saved. You know, I inherited because of my parents. No, you're not. There are all kinds of ways to miss it. Um, you must put your personal faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and believe that God has raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. And that's the only way. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. In this age right now, there are people who believe they're saved and are not, because even, they're not trusting Christ. Even Jesus said he talked about this, and he said, "You believe that there, you believe in God. Good for you. Even the demons believe and shudder." Yep. And it is not enough to just believe in God. Otherwise, we could say, "Well, then all the demons get to go to heaven too," and that we know that's not true. Mm -hmm. It is not enough. Right. Right. You must trust Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. And the scriptures are very clear about that. So if, if you have never done that, uh, you need to read the scriptures and just call on the Lord and ask him to forgive you for your sins. You have to acknowledge to him that you're a sinner. I mean, uh, I, if if you don't acknowledge that you're a sinner, then what would you get saved from? You have. Why do you need? Why do you need the cross? Why do you need salvation? You know, and people say, "Well, I'm not as bad as Joe. I'm not as bad as Hitler. I never did that. I never killed anybody. I I've never done anything like that. So I'm okay." No, you're not. You're not. You must. Uh, admit that you are a sinner and that Christ is the only way you can have those sins forgiven. 
Well, and in just a, a brief side note, even when we interviewed abortionist Klopfer for our first documentary, Inwood Drive, and we sat down and we talked to him. And when you said Hitler, it prompted and reminded me of this thought. He, he, the abortionist, George, he believed that there was heaven and hell. He believed that he was going to heaven. And his words were, he was going to have a beer and a cigar with Hitler and Stalin and Mussolini. So there are people who, I mean, even an abortionist who has murdered, you know, tens of thousands of babies believed that there was heaven and hell. And, and, but he believed he was going to heaven. Yep. Yep. And somebody has uh, written a a book. uh, This is probably out of print now, but it's, it's, uh, I think the title of it is Two Minutes After Death. Mm-hmm. And two minutes after death, you're going to know whether you are in heaven or whether you are in hell and just waiting for the final judgment. Mm -hmm. Yep. So many ways, so many ways to be deceived. Don't be deceived by believing that if you attend a church, that if you a member of a certain denomination if your parents were um if you if you think you're a pretty good person you've never done this and you've never done that you're on dangerous ground yeah all right so back to our that was a (laughs) (laughs) the bunny trail it happens But it's important. It's important. It is so it important. It is. It's very important. It is eternally important that every person listening gets this part of it right. Mm-hmm. Because it's going to matter to whether or not you're taken in the rapture with the church. Or if you're stuck here going through the tribulation and the great tribulation. Or if... If you die before before right. the tribulation happens, which uh, millions of people have done that already um, and have not trusted Christ, you will wake up uh, after death. You will find yourself in hell. And there is no repentance. There is no second chance. Uh, your Your fate is sealed. Not just for that time, but forever and ever and ever. No chance of repentance, no chance of relief. So this is this is so important. Uh, of all the things that we study and look at in prophecy, there is nothing more important than this. Make sure that you have repented and asked Christ to be your Savior because the the consequences of that decision last forever. And I should just add, too, since we're in the movie business, how perverse an image of the afterlife the, the movie business has perpetrated oh. on our society. I, I, and don't we got to be careful to not get your theology from... <laughs> The movies. It is not <laughs> real. I can tell you from being a screenwriter that 
there's nothing there's there's not deep thought that goes into a lot of this it's uh, you know they're they're borrowing from other sources where they've found things and they're adding a little bit of spin for this and that and you know well, let's add this because it sells more tickets and and it, what you get is just this hodgepodge of demonic theology that leads so many people astray i could i could go on for an hour of just the movies that have been made just in the past 20 years that are so skewed off of the reality of heaven and hell that it's it's not even funny so uh base your theology on the word of god not the word of the screenwriters yep and and so many uh movies that are not i mean you don't even have to go for evil uh you know wicked movies it's a lot of the really feel-good movies and their theology is well mom died or dad died and i i know they're in heaven but there's never a mention ever of trusting in christ uh so you're exactly right well make sure you don't get your theology from the devil i I would think i mean one of the i hate to throw christmas movies in into the mix here but (laughs) it's a wonderful life is terrible theology it's a great movie but i mean every time a bell rings an angel gets his wings uh that's not biblical (laughs) and you don't get to come back and do it over again and try and make it make it better and then poof and then you get your life back that's just not reality yeah so anyway okay makes good theater but it's not reality it makes a great jimmy stewart movie but not good theology, see? Okay, where are we at here? Well, when you get down to, um, let's see, verse 31, uh, everything shifts after verse 31 because um, verse 32 is um, from the fig tree, learn its lesson. So Jesus begins to give some uh, object lessons uh, to the Jewish community that is listening to this, and more importantly, the Jewish community that will be uh, here during this seven-year tribulation and then great tribulation time, he's going to tell them, here's how, here's how you should see that this is coming. So he gives the lesson of the fig tree. Uh, he, he gives other other illustrations um, uh, th- no one knows the day and the hour, the parable of the ten virgins, virgins in verse twenty-five, chapter twenty-five. So he just gives illustration after illustration about people during that time, during that seven-year span, that they can know when Christ is coming, which is at the end of the seven years. And they can be confident of that because of the things he's teaching them. And then he's saying, and I'm, and I'm giving you all these object lessons. So um, that's kind of the, he's kind of finished the whole thing because when you talk about the, tri- the abomination of tribulation, that's the last half of the 
of the seven years, and when you come to the end, uh, that's in verse 39, the end of those seven years, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven. Uh, then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. That's when Jesus is coming back. And he is coming back. Uh, one, of the, one of the false uh, teachings that uh, Paul talked about, and it's interesting because he talked about that 2,000 years ago when he wrote these scriptures. And he said, one of the one of the issues is to say all things continue the way they've been from the beginning. Nothing changes. Jesus is not coming back. Eh. <laughs> Just because, and that's a, that's the same thing they said uh, to Noah. All things continue the way they've always been. There, it has never rained. I don't know what you're talking about. It won't happen. You're just a fool to believe that. And, and then look at what happened. And then it happened, mm -hmm. and God shut the door, locked them out, and they were judged forever. As as the popular meme says, Noah built the ark, and then all the fact checkers died. <laughs> now some could consider that very cruel well it's the truth though well and it says in verse 38 for as in those days before the flood they were eating drinking marrying and giving in marriage until the day when noah entered the ark and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away yes so yes. it will be so will it be the coming of the Son of Man? Yep. Yeah. So he's exactly coming. the same. There are mm -hmm. pe people are just going to be saying this is just not going to happen. Satan is going to produce all kinds of lies and miracles. He's going to do things that that just are astounding, and people are just going to say, "Oh my goodness, this this is so wonderful!" Now we're going to have peace. No. No, not then. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess this is a good transition because what it's talking about here at the end of Matthew 24, the coming of the Son of Man, a lot of times this gets confused with the catching away or what we call the rapture. And the, right. the rapture is not the second coming of Christ because he doesn't actually come to earth until the end of the Great Tribulation. That is exactly right. You you have good teaching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have been taught for time, times, and half a time. And then some. And then some. <laughs> the state of Texas took Jeff Younger's son away and is trying to turn the boy into a girl. Think it can't happen in your community? Think again. Join Bot Radio Network at a screening of the new film Dysphoria, Friday evening, December 1st, in Sealer Auditorium at Concordia Seminary. Doors open at 6 p.m. The movie starts at 6.30. Get your tickets at dysphoriamovie.com or text the word Fort Wayne, all one word, to 80888. Okay, so that, the, probably the right thing to do is to transition back to uh, the time 
that we're in right now uh, so that people are clear about uh, the, the timing because uh, the tribulation, we are not in the tribulation. People teach all kinds of errors about this. They teach um, that we've, we've already gone through the tribulation, that the world wars were the tribulation. Uh, and I just want you to understand that as bad and as horrible as they were, and as bad and horrible as it is in Israel and Gaza and all of that right now, you just look at that and it's just horrible. I'm here to tell you that according to the Word of God, that is nothing mm -hmm. compared to what is going to happen when the tribulation occurs. And I would add, too, I know we said this on another edition of this, but I just watched a video this morning and what he said that was so wrong and I hear this over and over again is that something, something that we do then triggers the antichrist to come, then triggers Christ to come that as if there's something that we do because, because in Islam, I was just going to say, well, that's what they believe. That's why yes. these wars continue to happen. Yes. They believe that they can trigger and summon. Right. They believe Allah. that if they create enough chaos, they can mm -hmm. trigger the return of the 12th Imam, mm -hmm. which sounds an awful lot like the Antichrist, right? Except they believe that if they create enough chaos, that he will come. But that's not what the Bible says. It has nothing nope. to do with what we're doing. We don't, we don't wake God up <laughs> with something that's a, that's that we a good way do. To put it. <laughs> In fact, uh, Jesus uh, talked about uh, that time, and he said, uh, no man knows. And in fact, when Jesus was here on earth, he said, I don't know. Only the Father knows. Mm -hmm. And so all those people that are telling you that they know that if you do this and this and this, that it's going to happen, they're liars. Uh, just flat out, they are lying, making up things. It's a deception of the, of the devil, uh, and it 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 is of the of the worst kind because it basically teaches that man is going to be their own salvation. They are going to do something, and when they when that happens, then they're going to get saved. They're going to get their nirvana or whatever uh, whatever term they as associate it with. And the scripture is very clear. It has nothing to do with man. It is God's plan. And by the way, it was his plan before the foundation of the earth was laid. He knows exactly what's going to happen. Uh, he has always known exactly what's going to happen. And... It's going to happen, mm -hmm. regardless. And, and it has been happening all along. It has nothing to do with with us. And oops, we accidentally triggered the Antichrist. That no, that's not how it works. Yep, it has nothing to do with us. Yep, you cannot stop what the Lord has started. <laughs> Those wheels are already turning. Those wheels are turning. Mm -hmm. So, chart. Yes. 
Now you can pull out your chart. So you'll find the one. It will be, um, I'll, I'll separate this and make sure that this is just a, a single standalone so that you guys don't get confused on which one we're looking at here. But uh, so it'll say biblical mysteries explained here in the little green box down in the lower, lower left corner. So where do we want to start on the chart? Okay, well, if we look at the chart, we'll just get a quick review here. Uh, <clears throat> this is uh, expanding uh, the chart that was before this, which basically said, what's next? And this is uh, giving us some scriptures about what what is coming next. Um, first of all, if you look in, at, at the upper right-hand corner uh, in, the, in a dotted line box, Daniel 9, 24 through 26, um, it's worth re reviewing what's uh, stated there. Keep in mind that uh, God gave Daniel these revelations. Uh, they were given to him by an angel— um, and the angels uh, told him, gave him specifically verses nine, chapter nine, verses twenty-four through uh, twenty-seven. We just use stopped at verse twenty-six for this portion. So it starts out in verse twenty-four. Seventy-sevens are decreed for your people, and who is that? Israel, the Jews. Israel and your holy city, and what? Where is that? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And those 77s, and we'll talk about that in a minute, are to finish transgression, uh, to put an end to sin, hallelujah, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Each one of those uh, items that is listed there is is a Bible study in and of itself. So we'll we'll put that down and say that's something that you should uh, do on your own uh, study that because uh, the, each one of them is is a precious thing. Do you have that on your website, Timeless Truth for Today? I do. I do. I'll yeah. find it and leave a link in the show notes for people because <laughs> I don't remember. Oh, exactly where it is, mm -hmm. but it, well, I'll make a note to myself. Yeah, and then verse. Uh, well, first of all, back in uh, twenty-four seventy-sevens, the the term seventy-sevens is basically seventy weeks, uh, and the old King James version had that right, and it's it said seventy weeks, but it's a week of years. So each week is seven years. And you notice in verse 24, it says 70 sevens. sevens. So that's 70 times seven, 490 years total. And can we point out that seven in Scripture is usually, that's the Lord's number. That seven, when you see seven, uh, it's a... Uh, I like to call it a fingerprint. Yeah. It's it's a fingerprint that that is of the Lord mm -hmm. because he has chosen uh, to identify things by seven. So uh, 77s are decreed for your people. And by that, what the 
what the angel was telling Daniel is that these 490 years are specifically decreed by the Lord coming from him, and they are decreed upon the nation of Israel. And that's one of the things that is often uh, misunderstood today because people try to um, mush Israel together with the church. And uh, we pointed it out last time, and I just want to say it again because <laughs> it is so important. Mm -hmm. Do not try to make the promises that are given to Israel the promises that are given to the church and vice versa. The church is not Israel. Uh, it isn't God. God didn't give up on Israel and say, "Okay, I'm going to go to the church." That's not the. That's not the way it is. God has not given up. He has uh, put Israel in effect on hold, and the attention right now today is on the church. But that that doesn't mean that God has totally removed Israel from his plan. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely there. Verse 25, know and understand this, from the issuing of a decree, of the decree, to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes, there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. So we do a quick batch of math in our head, and we say se uh, 62 sevens and seven sevens, that's 69 sevens. Uh, so 69 sevens are decreed until the anointed one. And you'll notice that that, uh, depending on your translation, the anointed one uh, is a reference to Christ. Um, it it uh, and it talking about uh, Jerusalem. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble, and that's history. Uh, after the sixty-two sevens, the anointed one, Christ, will be cut off, and of course that is a reference to the cross. So Christ, the anointed one, is cut off after. The 62 sevens, which is the last part that is the end of 69 sevens, and, and he will have nothing. In other words, he does not have his kingdom. He doesn't have a family. He has nothing. As far as the scripture is concerned, he has nothing. So, and the, what it's talking about there of Jerusalem being rebuilt in times of distress, this is history. In, his, this is history in with Nehemiah, right? Going back uh, and rebuilding the city, rebuilding the wall. Remember that part. Yep. Under times of distress, they were rebuilding the wall in sections with a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. Mm -hmm. Yep. Because they were under constant attack, and so that's what it's talking about there. So that was done. And when, so that that's, that's the stake in the ground for when that time period, the 69 sevens would start, right? That's exactly right. Or 69 weeks. That's uh, 
what it says there in verse 25, in times of trouble. Uh, somebody wrote a, a nice uh, little um, manual uh, called The Sword and the, Tr and the Trowel. And it's taken right out of Nehemiah because uh, the opposition to rebuilding Jerusalem was so intense that they literally had a trowel in one hand while they were laying bricks, and they had a sword in the other hand because they were being attacked constantly. Uh, but it says that in spite of all that, it will be rebuilt with streets and a trench. And that is exactly uh, the case. Then it says in verse 26, After the 62 sevens, the anointed one will be cut off and will have nothing. And there is, by the way, a, a wonderful uh, piece of research that was done that shows that um, the time when Christ was presented to the nation of Israel, and this is uh, what, what we call uh, the, um, the biblical presentation of Christ, and the time for that is exactly 173, the triumphal entry, 173,880 days. Exactly, <laughs> including leap years. Uh, and every year you have to remember in Bible uh, terms, every year is 360 days, not 365. And that's a whole study in itself, but I believe that that has to do with the flood. Uh, before the flood, every month was exactly 30 days. There were 360 days in a year. But after the flood, because of the, the effect of the, all the water being added in the inertia to the earth, I believe that slowed the earth down. And so you have 365 and a quarter or whatever it is, days to a year. Hmm. And so what you're just saying there, the 1,700, oh wait, 173,880 days, that is from the completion of Jerusalem under Nehemiah to Christ's triumphal entry. Oh, yeah. To entry. the triumphal yep. entry. And that is to the day. To the day, absolutely, to the day. And, and by the way, this is, this is an interesting point. Um, if you look at the prophecies that have already been fulfilled in Scripture, they are always 100% fulfilled to absolutely the finest detail. Mm -hmm. They are absolutely accurate. There is no, you know, you say, well, it was about this or about that. No, it wasn't about this or about that. It was to the day or whatever uh, the prophecies are. So if all of those prior prophecies that we can now look at and say those, those were prophetic at the time, but now we've lived beyond that in their history, and we can look back on it, we can, we can tell with absolute confidence that if those were fulfilled accurately to the most minutest detail, 
then what's left that has not been fulfilled is going to be the same mm-hmm. way. Yeah. 173,880 days is the 69 weeks or 69 sevens, which is 483 years. years. Yep. Exactly. Uh, that's all on the chart that shows you when it starts, which is exactly what it says uh, in Daniel uh, 9, uh, 24. And it's fulfilled in Nehemiah. And the triumphal entry is in Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 44. Uh, and that is so interesting because when Christ came in, he fulfilled scriptures from the book of Zechariah that he would be meek and lowly and riding mm-hmm. upon a donkey. Uh, and he would be, he would come into Israel to Jerusalem and present himself as the king of Israel. And if you look at the triumphal entry, all the the Israelites, uh, the children, everybody were were throwing palm trees Hosanna, branches down. Hosanna. That's why we call it Palm Sunday mm-hmm. to to commemorate that. And they were crying out, Hosanna to the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And everybody was was just announcing him as the Messiah. Exactly those words. And a few days later, they were crying, crucify him. Mm-hmm. Brought on by the religious leaders. By the religious leaders. <laughs> yes. Let me just point out. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. The experts of the day. And I should point out, too, the imagery of the difference between riding in on a donkey versus riding in on a horse. Mm-hmm. Can you explain that to people? Because the next time that when Christ yeah. does return, he is not riding on a, a, donkey. a donkey. He is riding on a horse. <laughs> yeah. What's the significance there? Well, there's a, there are a lot of significance uh, in those two pictures, but... Probably the simplest and the easiest one is when when a leader rode in on a donkey, it was peace. Uh, it was coming as a ruler, but it was coming in peace. When uh, a ruler or a military leader rode in on a horse, it was war. war. Mm-hmm. It was war. And... Usually it was brutal. They, I mean, it was just so the the picture uh, is dynamically different. Right. What the, what you see at the triumphal entry was peace, peace to Israel, and and they rejected it. They turned away from him, and the the spiritual leaders of the days said, we've got to get rid of him. He's drawing too many people after himself. He's, uh, I mean, if he keeps on the way he's going, uh, we'll be out of a job. And so they bribed people. They did everything. um, And it was terrible. Hence, we know we've heard the term war horse, but you've never heard of a war donkey. 
Because <laughs> it doesn't exist. That's a good point. I, I never thought of that. Battle Donkey 2000. <laughs> da, da, da. Ridiculous. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so um, if you if you notice that um, in in verse twenty five of Daniel nine, uh, after the sixty two sevens, the anointed one, that is Christ, will be cut off, crucified, and will have nothing. Now, if if you if you look at this point. On the chart, um, the next the next point that is discussed is Daniel nine twenty six b, which is Jerusalem and the temple are destroyed by the coming rulers people, and that happened in seventy A D. The coming ruler is a term that is used in Scripture for the Antichrist. And if you look uh, down below that in the in the blue box or green box, I guess it is, uh, biblical mysteries explained. Uh, Romans chapter sixteen verses twenty five through twenty seven. If you read that whole passage uh, in Romans chapter sixteen, you'll find this term that is listed in in verse. Uh, uh, 25, the mystery hidden for long ages past, but is now revealed. So as you look at, at Daniel 9, 24 through 27, you have this whole picture that is about Israel. But the Bible student who is paying attention would, would sit back from this and say, wait a minute. Where's the church? Mm-hmm. Where's the church in this? Daniel nine twenty four through 27, there is nothing about the church. It goes from A.D. 70, where the temple is destroyed, and it says after that, as far as Israel is concerned, there are wars and rumors of wars until the end. No church. So the answer to that is in Romans chapter 16, the church is a mystery. Uh, that is something that people uh, have, have often stumbled on. The fact that nobody in the Old Testament, and I mean nobody, understood that there was going to be a church. Mm. And the reason we know that is because God says it's a mystery, and it says God himself hid it. And I can tell you this, if God hid it, nobody found it. <laughs> There's a lot of things like that to think about um, uh, who, uh, who buried Moses. It was God himself. God himself. And I, I've seen, you know, stories here and there through the years. Oh, we found Moses's grave. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You're not going to find him. The Lord buried Moses' body. You ain't finding it. <laughs> yes, exactly. 
Now, if you look at uh, the second point in that um, green box there at the bottom, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, this is uh, an explanation for why these things were hidden. Uh, The cross was hidden. Um, all of those things that were in there was talking about Israel. The, the triumphal entry was specifically enter- taught in Luke chapter 19. It happened. It's a historical fact. But why did they not understand that there was going to be a crucifixion of Christ? The only thing, the only clue is that he would be cut off. Mm-hmm. And and that doesn't say anything about what happens, what is the result of him being cut off. Well, right, because when he came in for the triumphal entry, they thought that he was going to overthrow the government of yep, the time. Exactly. Because that's they're looking at the promises that are given, mm-hmm. which is about his second coming. Mm-hmm. But if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, none of the rulers of this age. Now, the rulers of this age, if you look at Ephesians chapter 6, um, is talking about their, uh, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, mm-hmm. but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of this age. Uh, that's a term that is talking about this, the demonic uh, rulers in the heavenly places. So in 1 Corinthians, it says, none of the rulers of this age, and all those demons, Satan himself, none of the rulers of this age understood it, the crucifixion. For if they had, they would not have what? Crucified. Crucified the, the Lord, Lord of glory. glory. Because in effect... They thought by crucifying Christ, they win. Mm-hmm. But in fact, <laughs> by crucifying Christ, they, they seal lose. their fate. <laughs> That's right. They seal their fate forever. And if they had known that, I mean, if Satan and all his brilliance had known that, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. Why would they do that? That's mm-hmm. that's put the last nail in their coffin. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, people look at this and say, well, why in the world? Daniel has all these prophecies back there, such great detail. Why did he not know that Christ was going to be crucified and it would be redemption and seal the fate of Satan and all of his minions, why did they why is that not in there? And First Corinthians two is the answer to that question. Mm-hmm. Because it was hidden by God from everything. Nobody knew it. The the angels did not know it. Um, the holy angels, the demons did not know it. Satan did not know it. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Do you think that they know now? 
now that Christ has been crucified, do they now know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They know now. Our uh, our pastor uh, had a saying that it is kind of summarizes as he said, for us, we don't fight for victory. Mm-hmm. We fight from victory, victory. Mm-hmm. and I think that's a that's an excellent statement. It's a it's a good summary because we're not fighting Satan and and all the lies and everything that he perpetrates. We're not fighting uh, for victory over that. We are fighting from victory. Christ has given us the victory. He is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and he is coming back. And by the way, uh, Satan knows this. He's able to read Mm -hmm. the scriptures just like we are. Um, I used to... uh, uh, tell my uh, Bible study group that I felt that Satan very often was attending Bible studies, and people would ro- roll their eyes and say, "What? <laughs> what?" I believe that he came to Bible studies. Probably not anymore because he's learned it all by now. But he came to Bible studies to learn what the scriptures say. Because that's how he knows now mm-hmm. about what's coming. Mm-hmm. Because God has revealed it all. It's all. It's no longer a mystery. When you read the term mystery in the scriptures, think of a mystery, but we can see the end now. Well, and it makes me think of what we were just talking about earlier about uh, the one Satan and how he takes one third of the angels with him out of heaven. Because he knows, he knows now, and, and it says that he, he's th- cast down with great wrath mm. on the earth. Yeah, yes. the, the only mystery really left is is when. The it's only the mystery point. is when. Is when. That is correct. We we don't know when, but we know what. And we know, we know the signs of mm. the end. Yes. And so those are the things that uh, God has told us are going to happen. Um, not there are no signs specifically of the of the rapture, but there are signs of what the times are going to be like just after the rapture. Mm-hmm. So if you see those things beginning to happen, look up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So just leave on that note. You know what we're seeing is. You're starting to see signs of what the world will look like after the church is gone. Yes. So. And when you see that happening. So dwell on that. (laughs) (laughs) Know that, and don't give up too. I think don't, don't be complacent and give up because you do not know when the Lord is coming. That's right. So you should be using all of your, your energy, your time, talents, and treasure to be standing firm in the Lord and what the Lord, um, has you to do because you know Ephesians, what is it, two ten? For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that He prepared in a, in advance for us to do. Amen. So we need to be still working for the Lord. Amen, amen. And just to tie this discussion into the current events, we we know if you if you look at the history of Israel. There 
Israel has had problems, I mean, with Hitler and Mussolini and all those in the past. That was like a particular nation that was persecuting. But there were still nations like the United States that were siding with Israel and were supporting them. What you see happening in today's world is quite different. Mm. Every nation on the face of this earth has uprisings and people that are picketing all over the place against Israel. I mean, it's happening in the United States, mm. and that has never happened before. So does that mean that this is, ha is ready to happen? I don't know if it does or not. But I can tell you that by the end, that is going to happen. Every nation is going to persecute Israel. So when you see the stuff that's going on today, and even in the United States, you just have to say, wow, this is getting close or could be. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for listening through to the end and be sure to click that subscribe button so you never miss an episode and share this with your family and friends. Until next time, march on saints and be filled with the spirit. Jedi Master Yoda. You seek Yoda.